This is the hard truth of Tony Schaefer, powered by Six Hour Never Settle. Uh, and as I always say, I've never got uh, a, a time in my life that I don't have a SIG somewhere within reach. And I am not joking about that. So keep that in mind as we go through and and uh, support and uh, promote our friends at Six Hour because they do actually produce great products. I carried a SIG in combat. I, I would I, I had a choice of what I carried in combat, and I chose the SIG, and I would would absolutely do it again. And of course, uh, the America Out Loud radio network available on America Out Loud podcast as well. So uh, thank those folks for giving us the venue to do our show. And of course, check us out uh, at Project Sentinel and the Lund Center for Policy Research uh, on online, lundcenter.org or projectsentinel.net. Uh, we're on Facebook. Twitter, YouTube, and of course, uh, as I mentioned, the websites, which are always available for people to come check us out. So without further ado, we're going to talk about Second Amendment. We're going to talk about trigger issues. And I am uh, joined by Adam Baldwin. Uh, Adam, it is truly an honor and a privilege to see you here. Thanks for joining us today on The Hard Truth. Thank you, Lieutenant Colonel. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, well, it's always, I mean, I've seen your other interviews and I always appreciate your your. Uh, your your conviviality and and focus on on just kind of clearing up issues directly and where we talk about things here very clearly so thanks for joining us i like to call myself an amiable skeptic my dad he, he coined that phrase in my childhood to me so uh ed, ed morrissey and i over at hot air we have a we have a little uh, vlog cast that we do uh, i've on seen a weekly that basis. Yeah. yeah so uh i'm an amiable skeptic you know just show me the facts please yeah, and I, uh, we are of similar ilk in that we want to just get to the hard truth, and that's why we're here. So um, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, gun trigger issues, and it's been noted, and you've talked about it publicly, uh, the Alec Baldwin issue. And it's interesting because, uh, you know, I mentioned in our, our pre-interview, just to make sure that we were kind of tracking on what we wanted to talk about, there's three basic professions that really do rely on firearms as uh, a tool. Uh, that is Hollywood because of the movie making, uh, police uh, and law enforcement because of the enforcement issues, and of course the military. I come out of a military culture. I have been around firearms since my teens. My, my parents allowed me to go uh, on a farm in upstate New York, near Cuba, New York, with a 22 rifle and just go, go figure things out at 14. And that was my start. I have uh, had weapons all through my life. Uh, knock on wood, I have only shot the people I'm supposed to shoot uh, and, and and not had anything bad happen. So that's where we're at. And I, I wanted to kind of just touch base with you regarding that issue regarding the culture, because again, Adam, you're famous uh, in a good way for a full metal jacket and having had a career of firearms uh, use, which is successful. Can, so let's talk about the culture first. It's very clear that you guys have an effective culture. Why didn't Alec Baldwin follow that culture when he was doing his uh, production of Rust? Uh, the one word answer is negligence. Yeah. Um, he, was, he was lazy and didn't uh, follow the protocols that he's known about and that are longstanding industry practices in safety protocols. He just ignored them. Yeah. Uh, the, the issue of there being live ammo on that uh, remote set in uh, New Mexico is a separate issue that shouldn't have been, I, I don't know that it was against the law for live ammo to be on that set, but it was certainly against the rules and the, and the protocols. Uh, obviously state law supersedes any uh, industry standards, right. but that that's a separate issue. The issue at hand is the simple check your weapon when it's handed to you. 
And you can eyeball uh, that particular 45 uh, revolver by opening the, uh, the load gate and just rotating it, click, 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 and see that there are no uh, active primers on the backside of any dummy rounds that would be in there. All, right. the, all, the, all the primers either have a big old indentation in them so that they're inert or that the primer hole is empty. Uh, and all you had to do was click, 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 and eyeball that. And he didn't even spend, you know, f- less than five seconds doing that. And I think that's one of the things. I mean, I, I, I've never had to carry a revolver. I've always carried automatic, uh, pist- you know, the semi-automatic pistol. Use the correct term so I don't get in trouble with the audience. Semi-automatic pistols as a, a course of action for my profession. But the the concept is the same if you're going to have a weapon and you're going to use it for any purposes for training or in this case, uh, an actual filming uh, of uh, a movie, those protocols are there for purposes of of protecting those who have to handle the weapon. And it's very clear that that didn't happen. And uh, and I don't want to go through it all because I I want to cover some other areas, but it's very clear from the reporting that uh, Baldwin, who was a producer, uh, was not, overly enthusiastic about the standards because he personally chose to not participate in establishing the standards and of course himself matching up to those standards which is clearly a recipe for disaster which which happened but let's talk about but but hold on tony there there are prior prior inconsistencies in all of his public statements he talks about how well trained he in the stephanopoulos interview talked about how well trained he was how many years he'd been uh, on on sets with different firearms, he had been through this protocol many times before. Right. He just, uh, like I said, got negligent, got sloppy, uh, got lazy, and uh, Elena Hutchins lost her life. And that's that. So, and yeah, and I look, I believe it or not, and I think of, of other folks, and you probably feel this way too. If if you're offered training to refresh, you just go do it. Uh, I had to. I moved to North Carolina recently, as we've chatted before, and I had to go through concealed carry class again. You know, and I've carried weapons since, you know, my teens, but yeah. I, you, know, you got to go. You, okay. It's, it's an opportunity to go out and go through, get a refresher and knock yourself out. I, I, I like, always, like, yeah. Like, like running, Tony, it's a perishable skill. Exactly. Yeah. No, I'm with you. You know, and thank God we got a range just right down here by the airport. I can just drive down and just you shoot a few rounds off. Just saying. So yeah. it's great. Yeah. And you're invited to come out and do that too, by the way. It's just thank something. you, sir. So anyway, so, so, um, and golf too, just saying we got good golfing. So, all righty. Uh, so anyway, so anyway, we, so, but the idea here is people should embrace the idea of, even if you've had it to actually do it again, just because as you said, it's a perishable skill and, and maybe that one time, uh, that something bad happens, you may want to have had the certifications like, well, I did the certification and it, it, it still happened anyway. In this case, there's no certification. Bad things happen. And I think it's, it really is going to add up for bad news to, to Alec at this point. Yeah. The, now, I saw recently that the the prosecutor in New Mexico has dropped the uh, enhancement charge, right. which I think which I think is appropriate because the uh, the ex post factor uh, uh, significance of that law that came into being the enhancement law came into being after the incident on the set of rust. So they just dropped that anyway, the, his lawyer, his lawyers were correct to challenge that. Yeah. I don't, I don't think Alec will spend a day in jail. I think that uh, he's at risk certainly of a conviction uh, depending on the, on the, um, the jury pool. Yeah. Uh, it seems legally it's open and shut case. You know, all you have to, do, I mean, there are two arguments you can make as the prosecutor in that, in that court is saying, uh, if you had been handed this weapon, would you have held it to your own head and pulled the trigger without checking it? You know, that's number one. Yeah. And, and, and number two, 
you know, why didn't you check it? <laughs> well, this, so that's a, you've walked right into the point I wanted to make in a good way, not in a bad way. So when you have, a, this is the SIG P320. I, I, this is one of my carry weapons. I, I hate this. There we go. We can see it now. There we are. So the idea here, and I've cleared this thing. It, it is, you know, just, people can hear it. The idea that, that, that the gun would go off without the trigger being pulled to me is insane. The idea that somehow that, and I, I, I know it's different because he talked about the fanning issue and I'm going to break that down in a second, but basically I think we can agree that, that, that there has to be something acting on the trigger like that for, for the, for the firearm of any class to discharge. So either in the 320s case where, you know, you clearly, you have to have a mechanism that, that will click. And then more important in, in the case of, of Alec, the FBI did an evaluation saying, yeah, this, this, this weapon functions properly. Therefore, the only way it could have fired is the trigger being pulled. He confessed, so, he confessed to Stephanopoulos that he dropped the hammer. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether you think your finger was on the trigger or not. You actively pulled the, the hammer back and dropped it on the cylinder right. where, the, where, the, where the round was. That's discharging the weapon negligently, and it caused grave bodily harm and death. So under New Mexico law, it's open and shut. There is no, uh, my friend uh, Andrew Branca has said this on his. Uh, yeah, his, I've watched uh, this thing with you, yes. Yeah, he said there's no actor carve out or exemption in the New Mexico law. Just because you're, you're told a prop weapon is cold, it doesn't mean that you're an, an actor. It's, oh, the other thing I want to mention is just because he's a producer doesn't mean, that's irrelevant. He's the, he's the lead actor. He was one of the main reasons that that show, that that movie got funded. Right. He, has more he has more power than most of the producers on that show. Right. You know, standing on that set, he was probably the most powerful, arguably the most powerful person in that room. He could have said, we're going to we're going to take five minutes. We're going to take another extra minute. Also, it was during a rehearsal. Why were there why were there dummy rounds in there at all? It should have right. been completely just empty cylinders. Well, let's break that down, because I, I enjoyed Andrew's breakdown on this. And I, I don't think our, our audience necessarily follows Andrew, but he, he should. Andrew's, uh, we'll link some of his information. We'll link it down to our thing to make sure that people see his website because he goes through and does a great legal detail, like hour plus long. And I enjoyed it. And that's where, obviously, well, after I saw it, I reached out to you for the interview here. And mm -hmm. to that point, it seems to me that that uh, Baldwin himself has two levels of liability, which is one is he pulled the trigger. Secondly, I, arguably, uh, Adam, what you just said indicates to me that he basically set the tone for production there on on Rust. That he well, he, well, hold on, hold on. Now he was only right. there. He was only there briefly. You know, he's he may be the big name, but he was only there for uh, maybe a week out of the five week production. They were cramming all of his scenes into that week. It doesn't really matter. He's the guy uh, when he's standing there on set. Right, and uh, he's the boss, really. He can't say, "Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm just a producer in name only." Doesn't matter. You're the star. You're the reason the movie is funded. Well, that's my point. It's like I've been in command of of activities, where I'm, you know, like I've had, I've uh, one of my uh, commands I've commanded was Operating Base Alpha. Ob Alpha had uh, locations all over Sub-Saharan Africa to include Djibouti. And I was responsible for everything that happened at those locations, good or bad. And so when I sh showed up for one at one place, things were really catastrophically bad. I had to jump in and fix them immediately because I'm the guy in charge. So to me, 
not being there, but it sounds to me like Adam, if, if he's one of the big dogs who really, it's, it's going to be his imprint on the final product. His leadership would be the thing I think would, could make or break something like that. Is that a reasonable stipulation? I hate to sound like a lawyer. <laughs> well, you know, shit rolls downhill. He's number yeah. one on the call sheet. He's, yeah. the, he's the boss and he can't claim ignorance of any of the safety protocols. He may be able to claim ignorance of the New Mexico state law, but that's no excuse. So speaking of ignorance then, uh, not that I'm uh, implying that uh, Alec is ignorant. Uh, I'm not just saying, just because I'm, co- co- correlation does not mean causation. I'm not saying that just for people to know. But I'm, what I'm going to ask is about the culture because the very thing we're talking about right now, Adam, is that uh, people like uh, like Alec, uh, who vehemently talk about uh, not liking weapons, or the, they profit from it every time. I mean, he's been in dozens of movies from The Hunt of Red October to, to Rust that firearms were, were used. Now, I'm going to give you a figure. I did an interview the other day with uh, John Lott, and John talked about the fact that 85% of all the action movies uh, that you all produce, and I'm not, I'm not accusing you. I'm just saying, 85% of all movies that are produced by Hollywood today include some form of of a, of a machine gun. Uh, you know, the the classes where weapons are used, and it shows people being killed by machine guns. To include Alec, you know, producing these. The the truth is, uh, and I don't know if you know the stat. Do you know how many people have actually died in the United States uh, where a machine gun was involved in a crime since 1936? Oh God, it's got to be less than a hundred. One. Okay, one. So that's my point. It's like the 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 portrayal. Which look, I love action guy movies. We just did a thing on action guy movies a few days ago. Uh, it was we love action guy movies, but the portrayal of Hollywood, where there's a rampant use of machine guns in society, is just completely completely fictional. Uh, but it seems like that's something they do. And my point being is that it's one thing for you and I to talk about it because I think we're realistic and understanding. It's like, yeah, this is all fiction. This is not real. But and and you you don't hide the fact that you benefit, uh, you make money off of being an actor. God bless you. And I, I love your I love your stuff. As, as a matter of fact, I, I've, we've talked about that before. But what I'm saying is, how do you circle the square with someone like Alec, who clearly is anti-gun but makes a lot of his money off of the gun culture because you know. He's a hypocrite. So, I mean, it, it is what it is, right? I mean. Well, the the hypocrisy charge doesn't work when you're talking about the left. Uh, <laughs> you know, if there were no double standards, if they didn't have double standards, the left would have no standards. Yeah. And you can't, you can't uh, shame him into realizing he's wrong because you're not in his shame culture. Yeah. The, you know, uh, the only people that could shame him would be those that, are on his team uh sag came out and uh they you know loud voice supported him and condemned the uh the indictment um or the charging um because i i think fundamentally that the their their pr spokespeople don't really understand what he did yeah and i think they were they were trying to speak in defense of a member i get that However, there's, it's, it's like they didn't read their own safety protocols. The safety protocols, which I sent you, I don't know if you had a chance to flip through them, but uh, the long-standing industry standards are such that you always treat a firearm as if it's loaded. All the, all the regular um, right. you know, gun safety rules that, that have been long established, and uh, he just didn't do that. 
uh, and he, he's pointing the finger at other people. I, I wish he had just imagine if it had been me that did that. Uh, you know, being I do being I, someone, I know being I someone mean, on the right on the right, I would have been I would already have been in jail. Right. Uh, so, I, it, the reason I'm passionate about this is because there are so many good, decent, hardworking people that handle firearms, the prop masters, the armorers. There's a whole culture of safety protocols and making these um, as much realism in these drama uh, series and, and movies as we can. And yeah. it's, it's fun. Guns can be fun if they're used properly. Right. They're, they're, they're uh, good for target practice. They're good for hunting. I'm sorry if you don't like to eat meat. If you go to the store and you see a slab of beef, Somebody hunted that for you or grew it for you and killed it for you. So uh, hypocrisy, that, that, that charge doesn't, doesn't work. Um, and it's, it's really Marxists want to get rid of our guns because they, they want to have state control. And with an armed populace, that's much more difficult for them. Yeah, that's the next topic I want to roll into after we get done with this, because that's something that's near and dear to my heart. But to that point, um, Adam, it just seems to me that, you know, people like, like me, you know, and I've been a guy who had to carry weapons. Now I'm a public figure and obviously kind of engaging with folks like you, you know, our, our two worlds are, are, are overlapping here a little bit. Uh, it seems to me that anyone who does not understand the dangerous nature of a weapon uh, should not handle it, period. But it seems to me that, again, to your point, people on the left, they always get a pass like, yeah, yeah, we don't we, we're too we're too special for those rules. Why should we abide, abide by those? And that to me is, is one of the things, too. They always seem to believe that they're they're uh, morally and mentally superior to anyone who disagrees with them, which I think well, is another feature. They they do consider themselves to be on the right side of history, and they consider themselves as uh, uh, as Klaus Schwab would say, stakeholders. Uh, they are the stakeholders of uh, the intellectual uh, vanguard, and yeah. uh, they they can tell us what to do. Meanwhile, they don't have to give up their security personnel's guns. Um, they don't have to live in the inner city and, and fend off uh, rapists, muggers, thugs, as uh, many young uh, women and, uh, and men do. And uh, they're not going to be there to help them until after the fact. Right. And the Supreme Court, Supreme Court said the cops don't even have to uh, risk their I know. own lives. To, I know. You know, so no who's, obligation. Who's going who's gonna to protect your family if three thugs come into your house and you're a, a 105 pound woman? Well, you and your AR and your thirty-round magazine. Right. That's well, we'll we'll go through that in a second because I, I want to talk about Florida and and, and Ron DeSantis. But a public service announcement, real quick, since Adam brought him up. Uh, note, please never trust a German with a utopian dream of global domination based on his views of perfect social order. Just just saying, just Klaus Schwab. Just saying, that's not a good idea. They tried it in the thirties. Not a good idea. Just you know, just a public service announcement. We have ways. Hey, can I, can I, can I give a, can I give a shout out to uh, James Lindsay at the new discourses podcast? Please. I recommend all of your listeners and yourself to check out his podcast. He, he goes into much, he dives deep into the whole new world order and uh, yeah. um, the, the world economic forum and, and uh, his Marxification of education book is, is a wonderful resource. It, it tells you basically that the, the project, has been to infiltrate all the institutions, the long march through the yep. institutions. Yep. And he lays out the intellectual basis for them doing it over these past hundred years. So uh, check it out. 
It's we will. Awesome. And we'll, we'll link that. And also that's where we're going next with our interview here is to that very topic. So um, uh, one of the guys who's been out there kind of fighting the woke uh, mobs, especially coming up on the Second Amendment this year, uh, the Florida uh, legislature announced that they're going to consider uh, putting in place what is called constitutional carry, which basically says if you're not a felon, you have every right to carry a firearm. You can carry a firearm. And you can carry it either concealed or, or open, depending on, on what flavor of the day you pick. I think it's a great idea. Uh, I, I uh, again, someone who carries a weapon routinely, I'm still a member of law enforcement in Virginia as a Homeland Security Advisor. So I, I go armed when I'm in that status. I go armed anytime I can legally carry. And ironically, I, Adam, I don't know how much time you spend in New York, but you know, I I I'm, I live in North Carolina. I can carry anytime I want. I don't feel that threatened. But the, the place I feel most threatened, I can't carry, which is New York City. To me, that's that's a place where if, if something's going to happen, it's going to happen there. And I I don't understand how my suffrage, the suffrage of my right of Second Amendment, doesn't carry across the nation. Uh, so it's it's interesting that that we cannot ex exercise that as a right. To me, I mean, the fact. That well, you you can. However, you're gonna. Uh you're I could get in jail. Yeah, I could run afoul of the law. You could take that risk. Yeah. yeah. And and some people do, and that, God bless them for doing it. But my point being, should, somebody should not be threatened with jail because you're exercising your Second Amendment rights. So that goes to Florida. So they, Florida is now moving down that path. Hmm. Uh, uh, Ron DeSantis, Governor DeSantis, uh, who I know, I've worked with him in Congress. He was part of the caucus I used to advise on national security issues back a few years ago. He's going to probably sign that into law. So what do you think, Adam? Uh, how do you feel about constitutional carry and uh, what do you think we should do regarding a view of this nationally? Uh, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. The whole uh, preamble to that about a well-regulated militia doesn't talk about the actual uh, individual right to keep and bear arms. Um, I think the Supreme Court has weighed in on this right. and, the le and the left is just going to continue to uh, perpetrate lawfare against people because they have they have the dark money and the resources to uh, put people in jail and uh, oh, yeah. elect elect leftists in government to keep throwing these laws on the books even though they're completely unconstitutional. Uh, they're going to keep because people aren't aren't willing or have the resources to challenge them and they they risk themselves uh, being put in jail during the interim. And as we've seen with the with the January six folks, you don't even get a speedy trial these no, days. That's so I'm I'm gl I'm glad Ron DeSantis is stepping up. I I admire him as a governor very very much, and uh, we'll see if he announces for president in the in the coming uh, months. Um, that that'll be a fun debate with uh, with Donald Trump going forward if if he in fact chooses to run. I'm, I get I that question to, all the time. I look forward to that debate. Yeah. You know, let them, let them have at it. Let them have at it. No, I look, I I've been, I want to go talk and do my talks. Like people always ask me, which is like, I can't comment on that. They're both good men. I know them both. So it's like, we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll see how the debate goes. So, you know, yeah. Yeah. So, but I think that's the point. It's like, you just mentioned someone having a 30 round magazine, which is a standard capacity magazine. It's not a high capacity, it's standard capacity. Right. And I, I, boy, so I, I'm going to end with this note and I, I, I don't want to get you in trouble, but, um, one of the, the things that the left always talks about is the assault rifle or assault weapon. Uh, people don't understand, Adam, that the origins of assault, assault weapon or assault rifle comes from the Sturmgewehr, the STG-44, which uh, a guy named Adolf Hitler nor named the assault weapon. 
So I'm just fascinated that the left seems to be uh, really happy about adapting a term for their political use that Adolf Hitler personally came up with. Oh, they're very good at adapting totalitarian language. (laughs) Disinformation is another good one, which comes from from the old Soviet Union. Yes. Uh, And the KGB, um, they're very good at um, adopting the language of the totalitarian because they, in their heart of hearts, are totalitarian. Yes. Uh, boy, and uh, so so uh, clearly spoken. I, I appreciate the clarity on that. And that's where I think uh, we will have to kind of wind this down at this point. But boy, it's been a great conversation, Adam. Thank you for coming on to have a lively review and discussion of some of these current issues regarding the Second Amendment. Uh, and obviously, I look forward to joining you on both ranges, the gun range and the golf range. Well, it'll be fun. And uh, I, I will make sure that it's it's memorable. And obviously, I've got six-hour weapons. You know, like, like I said, I never, never go someone without it. Uh, so, and, and we're really, we'll be doing that. And also, you know, you think about coming up to the SIG Academy at some point too, which is all brand new and everything. So, and I, great. we'll, we'll talk offline on that. But yeah, there's some things coming up which I don't want to talk about on the air yet, which I texted you, but I think it'd be fun to do later this year. So, uh, Adam, God bless you. It's been great talking to you. Uh, you know, I just want everybody to know that you're as cool in real life as as you look on the move so it's a it's a great presentation so thanks for being with us today all right well it looks like i tricked another one thank you tony <laughs> see, take you down the road take right, care bye. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's fast-paced digital age makes it tougher. You're not alone. Poor sleep affects over 70% of us. The CDC even labeled insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deep, and wake refreshed. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep using calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support. Over a thousand reviews with an average star rating of over 4.4 proves it works. Take back your sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. Here on America Out Loud, we emphasize optimal health, and air is the most essential element for life. The average person inhales over 35 pounds of air every day. Yet we seldom think about how to rid the air of pathogens swiftly and safely when we need to. The Genesis Fogger Plus HOCL is the only way to quickly and naturally restore air to its optimal condition. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a free ebook on everything you need to know about HOCL and receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. For 40 years, alarmists have been warning of a climate catastrophe, yet none of their dire predictions have come true. Temperatures have not soared, sea level rise has not been unusual, and extreme weather events have not increased in either frequency or intensity. In short, there is no climate emergency. For 15 years, the International Climate Science Coalition has led the call for climate realism and a Made in America climate plan. 
a plan based on real science that responds to the real-world needs of Americans, supports economic growth, and strengthens our essential infrastructure. A plan that protects the environment and ensures that Americans can enjoy the blessings of clean air, clean land, and clean water for generations to come. It's time to put ideology and pseudoscience aside. It's time for a sensible climate plan. For more information or to donate, visit our website, icsc-climate.com. Well, the out loud truth was the rallying call that started it all. A wide spectrum of programming from world and political news to societal, your health and cultural stories. Seven amazing years of news stories, informative podcasts, and great talk radio. America Out Loud Talk Radio. The liberty and justice for all. Hey, this is The Hard Truth with Tony Schaefer, powered by Sig Sauer, Never Settle. And as I always say, I've always got a Sig uh, within arm's length, which is an absolute true statement. Carried it in combat, wouldn't carry anything else. I had a choice of what I carried. I carried a Sig. So I do recommend you consider Sig Sauer for your personal defense needs, which I have always found that uh, they are the best. And again, never settle. And we're on the America Out Loud talk radio network also available on the America Out Loud podcast network as well. And check us out, Project Sentinel and London Center for Policy Research on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Rumble, and our website, projectsentinel.net and londoncenter.org. And without further ado, our vivacious and ever uh, vigilant team of producers and honor personalities are here with us. Uh, Elizabeth Breckenkamp, my friend and colleague from uh, the Army days. Hello, Elizabeth. And then uh, Chris Cordani. Uh, uh, the uh, man of mystery who uh, actually is wearing a velvet jacket today. Is that correct? That's right. Velvet. I, I, Hey-o. I, I like Hey-o. the look of velvet. Hey, it is. Hey, can I be the vivacious one? I always <laughs> want to be the vivacious one. I it, thought you were the you vivacious got it. one. Two, two, yeah. things I I wanted, two things I wanted to do in life, Tony, is I yeah. always wanted to be the vivacious one. And I always wanted to, pro- I always wanted to produce the feel good movie of the summer. Hmm. Well, you know, you, you could always do, uh, you know, a Weekend at, at uh, Biden's. That could be a good remake of Weekend at Bernie's. So. <laughs> but would that be a feel-good movie? I'd feel good about it. You'd, you'd get my feel-good feeling. That's uh, that's for sure. What, what I'd feel learned, great about it. Just what saying. we've learned, though, is if we ever did Weekend at Biden's and we used any weapons, we'd have to use them safely and properly. Yeah, well, exactly. that's interesting. I, so, so that's, you know, I don't want to divert from the, the thing, but obviously there's a lot of weapons moving around the world right now being paid for by us going to a num- number of countries, which are oh, NATO. No. Just saying. I mean, I, I don't know if that's something that is in our interest, but we can cover that another day and I'm sure we will. So today we had our, our friend uh, Adam Baldwin, the good Baldwin. I'll just say it now <laughs> since, you know, there's a good, there's the good and bad, right? There's yin and yang, right? Exactly. We, all, we all know that, right? There's yin and yang. And so he's, I don't know if, if he's the yin too? or the yang. But yeah, he's Stephen a good Baldwin's a good Stephen's one. a good one. He's decent. Stephen. He's a nice guy. I don't guy. know Stephen. I know Adam. So I, I, I will stick with the Adams. I, I will stick with the Baldwin I know. Got it. Saying. Yeah. And so I think he did a great job of, of kind of uh, talking about the industry, the Adam Baldwin uh, fiasco. If you, I think that's a good term to describe it. And what's going on within the industry? And it's interesting. Uh, and I want your take on this, both of you. 
Adam is a, he's a, I mean, come on. He started his career in a movie called Full Metal Jacket, which I think most people our age has seen. Uh, highly recommend the movie. And he spent uh, days, literally, carrying an M60 and 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 going through. And, you know, obviously in the movie, it's just a few minutes. Apparently, according to him and others, I've seen, the you know, Kubrick had them doing that for days. He's getting up out of a, of a, of a position of defilade and running across the, the, the opening with an M60 machine gun. That's got to be tough. And, and part of my point is they didn't have any incidents on set. They were able to actually use weapons safely. And I think that's the industry standard. You should, you should practice safety with weapons. But clearly there was deviation from that standard with, with Alec. Baldwin, not the Adam Baldwin. I mean, we're we're talking here only a few uh, a few different a few words a few letters that are different, but uh, a world apart regarding the attitude. So, so what do you all make of what Adam said about Alec and his uh, uh, what happened to Adam uh, Alec? It was lazy, and it was right. It was lazy not to check the gun, but it was also irresponsible not to treat every gun or anything on the set, any kind of weapon, as if it was loaded. Right. Right. And that, that's the issue. And that's what we're taught, or we should be taught when we're five, six, seven years old, when we have a cap gun. I don't know if kids get cap guns anymore. I know kids uh, aren't allowed to make guns or, or shape their pop tarts like guns anymore and point them around, but I'll get that. We can get to that at another time. That's but why I, I only eat gun, 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 gun smoke flavored pop tarts. They, right. they taste like Matt Dillon. Mm, yeah. That's good. Yeah, when kids get cap guns or BB guns, they should learn that these are not toys. Right. Oh, technically. Oh, of you, course. Yeah. You know, Right. And the thing is, they should be taught as, as anything, as if they're loaded weapons. This way so, you learn when you're older. Well, I, obviously, you know, obviously I, I've, I've used this and I have this here. This is my M11 A1. That's, this is what that's I, an impressive I, piece. Well, I, it, it's, it's, the, it's the version of what I carried in combat. And obviously, Sig Sauer makes these just saying. And, and I'm a big fan of Sig for uh, any number of reasons. Anyway, the idea is when I, when I have one of these, first thing you always do is you clear it, grab right. the magazine, and make sure it's empty. And check the I know that Alec had one that was a revolver, but as Adam explained, you can look visually and figure out pretty quickly what you have in the chambers and in, in, mm -hmm. in the, in the, in the, uh, the and you know, so I he clearly didn't do that. Still no excuse though. If you, if, even if you're inexperienced, every gun on set should be treated like it's loaded. There, there's, there are too many people on set with you. You right. could drop the thing and it could, it could shoot off. There are problems with yeah. there. There are too many problems with us. Uh, uh, I, I yes, no, but that, right. that goes back to the armorer then too, because that's one of the things they talked about. It's like he's not sure, and I, I don't think anybody necessarily needs clarity on it. But uh, having bullets on a on a set is probably not a good idea, even if no. it's legal. It's kind of like if you if you know you're pretending, then only pretend. Don't have something there that could actually do the damage. And as as we know, um, other actors have been actually killed by prop firearms, which are improperly maintained because of the, the charge and material getting stuck in the barrel. So uh, I think it was Brandon Lee that was killed, right? In the Ravens movie that I think happened that's to right. him. So, so yeah, so that's, that's no excuse. I agree with you. Yeah. You know, um, that was such a good interview with Adam. He was talking about um, the uh, prosecuting attorney had the most basic question. Why did you not check the handgun before using it? That just makes sense. And so I thought, you know, let me look at what's been happening recently. Just a couple of days ago, it was reported that Mr. Baldwin's, uh, his defense attorney, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, N-I-K-A-S, Luke Nikas, said Mr. Baldwin had no reason to believe there was a live bullet in the gun or anywhere on the movie set. Mr. Baldwin relied on the professionals with whom he worked. 
that's a bunch of crap because just like adam said he was the lead producer he was the lead actor he was in charge of everything he was the top dog so though you know what his defense attorney is saying is you know just doesn't make sense you know Again, to all of our points, it's there's no excuse. You can't just wave around a weapon right. like that without. First of all, that, that should never have been done, loaded or not loaded. Right, and, and I, I made that you point. don't blame somebody else. No, I made that point that there are three primary cultures. You know, Elizabeth and I came out of one culture, which is army, army, military. Obviously, right. the military has a standard of performance that you have to follow regarding safety and use of firearms. Right, Elizabeth? I mean, right, exactly. So, I, I still, it's like yesterday. I feel like just yesterday I was at the range. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, and well, I, you, I, I look, I don't like the way the army trains. It's not real realistic or practical. No, Last time not. I checked the, the enemy does not uh, allow you to stand on a firing line and shoot at them. The army, te- the, the, the enemy tends to run and hide. Well, just saying, I, I just, well, you know, like, I, I, I know they, they seem to miss that point. You're trying, not going to like you know. on the ground with little sandbags in front of you either. Yeah. Let me set up yeah. my sandbags. Yeah. So I, you know, my, my dispute or uh, disdain with the army's method, methods of training uh, have nothing to do with the fact that they do have a safety protocol, which for the most part works fairly well. I think it's, it's extreme sometimes. And let me address it real quick. When I went through training, uh, I don't know how to describe it. Basically, we who are operatives have a different standard of training. We are trained to be responsible with weapons. And, and so, as I, I just showed the M11, during training, we're expected to walk around with a, a magazine. You know, I got the, got the magazine here with bullets in it. And they, we're expected to actually, um, you know, I'm, 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 for the audience who is listening, uh, have this weapon in our holster with a bullet in it, and you carry, you walk around like in the real life. Like, hey, you know, when you're in combat, you're going to have a gun on you all the time. Be responsible with that weapon all the time, and that's the same standard for the firearms for for the for Hollywood. It should you should always practice the same standard of safety no matter where you're at. You should always understand that these are the things you must do. And I think it's interesting that Alec Baldwin, who is anti-gun, I don't know if you describe him this way. He is morally and mentally superior to all of us. I think that's an accurate statement. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, I agree. I agree too. It's a culture of entitlement in Hollywood. Yes, but it's not just Hollywood. There are a lot of people who are or or walk around as if they're entitled. The professional athlete is another one. I'm not saying every one of these people are like that, but you might recall a certain wide receiver for the New York Giants named Plexico Burris who was walking around and he he went out partying with his uh, loaded gun and shot himself in the leg. And that that effectively ended his season, by the way, mm-hmm. and it was uh, it was pretty bad because that was that that he was a he was a he was a superstar wide receiver. But you don't do things like that. You don't carry a loaded gun. You don't play around with it. And you don't. Uh, and, and if you're not going to be responsible with it, you're going to be drinking and going to uh, dance uh, these dance halls with it or wherever they're going. Right. Where the kids go those okay. days. This is what happens. You have to be, one has to be responsible when holding this gun. And, and you can't just think because I'm a celebrity, I'm a professional athlete, these things aren't going to happen to me. Yeah. And you don't tug on Superman's cape and you don't spit into the wind. And you don't I was mess just around thinking that. Oh my right? gosh. Those are the I don't know. Too, the, don't do. there's, there's that one just guy saying. who messed around with Jim and, and, and actually took him down. Yeah. But the one guy took him down. So that's right. So there you that's go. Right. So that's a little bit Jim, Jim <laughs> Croce there for the audience. So anyway, well, back to the Adam uh, and Alec issues. So it's very clear that that uh, again, someone someone who's a, a a consummate professional, and I'm not saying that because he's a friend, but he is a- a- Adam, who has basically been very successful in his career, and very uh, conscientious. It's very clear there's a difference in culture regarding how he interprets things, and 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 Adam, Alec, Alec, 
God, I gotta get. It's like having kids. You know, you always get there. You always call them by the wrong name. You know. So, uh, but that, that's the thing I think we have to focus on is the fact that uh, these people do make a living off of it. People like Adam make a, a great living. Uh, they do a great job. I, I, you know, people love him because he, he's a good actor and, and actually is very, very respectful of the audience. I would almost go so far as to say is that Alec Baldwin is disrespectful of both his industry and the audience because he thinks they're stupid because he's lying to people, right? I mean, is, mm -hmm. that, is that it's an another accurate? characteristic of the entitled left, though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they actually think people are stupid. They, they this is where the double standard you and Adam were talking about in part yeah. one comes into play. It's like they they they'll say something, they'll act a different way, and then they'll just come back and and virtue signal or stand in front and say, oh, that's that I didn't do that or. Or that's okay. Uh, I, I did it, but it's okay if I did Someone, it. It's, it's someone's responsible, but not me. Right. That's it. They're the right. first ones to blame other people. It's always somebody else. Yeah. We can go all the way to uh, what happened recently in uh, in East Palestine. First thing oh, you hear, oh. it's Trump. It's Trump's fault because of the whole uh, he, he didn't sign off on the brakes. We're oh, seeing yeah. trade developments right and oh, left. Yeah. This, where there are that's three now this month as we as as we oh. recorded this. This is an infrastructure problem, and where's our uh, uh, well, where's uh, Mr. Competency, Mayor Pete? Now, yeah, is he on another paternity? Well, he was apparently interviewed by a, a, a Daily Caller reporter as we're as we're taping this. It just came out last night. I guess he was out with his husband. Is that what you call the guy that hangs out with him? Just I don't. I'm not here to judge. Just so. just like whatever. No, there's anything wrong with that. And right. they were walking somewhere in Washington, and people were saying, "Hey, uh, you know, there's a big." disaster in ohio why don't you focus on that oh i need some personal time really you need some personal time you're the guy in charge of transportation and you need some personal time i think it's time for someone else to take over that position. Yeah. You, know, you know how we all joke about millennials being a, a weak generation oh and, yes and always wanting personal time and needing time to uh to find uh to, what was to the, find uh, themselves yeah they need mental health days yeah. yeah. If you're if you're a sitting uh, transportation uh, secretary uh, secretary of transportation and these things are happening, uh, it's not the first time he's done this before. By the way, no, he needed his personal time uh, in in the beginning of his tenure when uh, when something bad happened. This guy yeah. is irresponsible, and I, I got to tell you, between him and Mayorkas, I, I don't know who is selecting these people for Joe Biden. Oh, I do. I right. do. It's 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 it is the the uh, as as Adam kind of alluded to a guy named Obama. Uh, I do believe that so much of the influence of this oh, right. goes back to Obama and yep. beyond him, the World Economic Forum. I think it's all linked. And I, I'm yeah, not. There we go. Yeah, I it's, mean, it's look, like they want us to fail. Yeah, well, that's the idea. Exactly. It's like they want to, to build back, back, build back better, better. build back better. It sounds like uh, what's her name, Arden from uh, New Zealand. Uh, oh, you have right. to destroy first. You have to destroy first. So that's what you have right. to do, and that's I think that's what this is all about. You 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 get the most. Uh, politically incompetent, uh, the most technically incompetent, but politically loyal hack available, and you put them in charge, and and the rest is is what you see happening. So, and it's all linked together. So, mm -hmm. all right, good. So, um, uh, and I think that the overall takeaway that we have learned from uh, our conversation with Adam is obviously be respectful of the firearm, be respectful of the process in place for purposes of protecting you and others. And if you do that, maybe you won't get in trouble. You won't be shooting people you're not supposed to. Just saying, you know, maybe that's the answer. Uh, you also bring up a good point too. brush up on gun safety rules, yeah. because even if you're a professional, uh, if you're a professional sharpshooter or a hunter, it's, it's always good to kind of give yourself a refresher course. Uh, these, again, pros know they have to keep their guns clean. They know how to operate things. But if you're, if you're a hunter, you, you hunt maybe two or three times with your buds every year, take 
if you if you have a cup every few years take a or take a book out or maybe watch a video or two refresh yourself when it comes to right. uh, gun safety I'm, I'm one of those guys who shoots every once in a while i'm very nearsighted so no one wants me to shoot but i'll do target <laughs> practice I, well you would have been good uh with the right. eights and aces when you had to go into a poker game and shoot as long as long Why as you're need a good good. but i'm one of those people who have to be who has to be extra careful i don't see as well as others uh, I can see well enough to shoot, but the fact is I have to be extra careful. I'm extra wary that I may not see something that other, pe that other people see. And that's where, uh, but then the again, you know, your limitations for others comes in but, then, but Chris, yeah. you know, your limitations and you, you practice, uh, the safety accordingly. That's it's about respect point. for others too. Right. Right. So we got yours and, uh, and Adam's take on these things. It's we did. time for Tony's take. I've been I've been ready all day. I've been ready since I got up at seven thirty this morning. So Sig Sauer is bringing us uh, Tony's take this week. As far as that's and I do want to say never settle. Sig Sauer never right. settle. And not only that, one of the first projects I did with you guys was uh, working at was working a uh, that that uh, safety video, the guns, the fundamentals of firearms. Safety. I sent that You'll to Adam this morning YouTube. to remind yep, him. Yeah, I saw exactly. that. Yep. Yeah. You'll find it on our uh, on the Project Sentinel YouTube channel. It's easy. You will look up and fundamentals of check firearm it out. safety. Yep. Check it out. Yeah, uh, the London Center for Policy Research and Sig Sauer did that together. Mm -hmm. All right, here is some terrible news. You know about these uh, book bannings and people that whine about uh, content in books. Well, you're if you love the book Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, yes, and you're a oh, fan yeah. of uh, Ronald Dahl. Winds up his oh yeah, Roald Dahl. Excuse me. I, I, yeah. Again, see this my there's my Roald my my my, uh, my vision again. Winds up that uh, uh, according to the Telegraph, the publisher of Dahl's books, Puffin, has made a load of changes to original texts. Oh boy. So apparently, the Oompa Loompa are not no, no longer small men; they're small people in the book or the new editions mm. of the books. There are uh, here. You go. The witches, according to uh, according to the Telegraph, where Dahl wrote that the witches were bald beneath their wigs. Yeah. The Telegraph also says the new editions will be saying there are plenty of other reasons why women might wear wigs, and there's certainly nothing wrong with that. And huh. of course, they don't want to body shame that uh, Augustus Gloop or whatever his name is from uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. So, mm. what's your take on all this? They don't want to call him fat anymore. I I can see where they could have improved the story by adding flying monkeys. Did they add flying monkeys to it? That that would be a good ad. Um, you know, throw I think the flying I, monkeys in I, I, and have, I would have the Witch that. of the West uh, added to the story. Wouldn't that be great? Like uh, the Wizard of Oz meets Charlie and a Chocolate Factory. That would be a great movie. Well, you know, follow, I would say this. Follow the follow the uh, follow Yellow the chocolate brick. follow the chocolate brick road, so to the, speak. And then, the only thing, and that leads the us back to Pete Buttigieg, right? It all it all circles. <laughs> the, the only, it all the only thing I would together. It all the only thing I would together. ever change in any of those things it's is the Wizard of Oz. It's right. synchronicity. That's what the only it thing, is. The only thing I would ever, I would ever change in the Wizard of Oz, Tony and uh, yes. Elizabeth, is uh, having the witch say when she's getting splashed with the water, "I'm melting and I can't get up." <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! But so, this isn't well, new. This Good. isn't new. There are there are there are school districts trying to. There are school districts that have effectively banned Huckleberry Finn from a high school level. I, uh, I because it well, has you know, the N word I, in it. I see potential so here. Inward. You know, well, you guys are negative, and I see potential because you could actually do the story of the, the Wizard of Chocolate. Wouldn't that be a great story? The Wizard <laughs> of Chocolate follows the, the the Chocolate Brick Road. Have uh, Nancy Pelosi as the Wicked Witch of of uh, of Vanilla. Yep. I mean, she that could be the work. Vanilla. You know, and she could be drunk on vodka all the time. I think it'd be a great program. And ice and, cream. Yeah, and, and and then you could have uh, uh, the 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 the, uh, the 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 scarecrow. That could be uh, Jim Biden. You could have uh, no, the, 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 the Tin Man as Hunter Biden. I mean, I see all sorts of potential here. 
this is this is this could be big. We could we we should produce this as a matter of fact. I think it could it could happen. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I think we think would be. Let's get Adam back horror. on the phone. Let's let's ask Adam to produce it. There we Wizard go. of Chocolate. That's a that's a great program. But the people on the left are whining about banning books when you're trying to take uh, uh, books that are they're they're trying to groom young elementary school students, and you're not and you're only, and you're not really taking them out of the school district. You're not banning the book. You're actually just putting them towards an age appropriate high school level right. instead of putting these books in elementary schools. That's not banning. When you're talking about a district in Seattle saying, "Hey, uh, Huckleberry Finn, no, get it out of here." Uh, other other districts uh, contemplating whether to get rid of uh, To Kill a Mockingbird because it has some slurs in it. That's a great it's, movie. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. All right. Tony's take. Here's another one. This is going to be fun here because he's one of right. your favorite guys. You love oh. him and you talk about him a lot. I do? Yes. Apparently, the Gateway Pundit has footage of uh, Ray Epps throwing a Trump sign ah, at a police officer on January 6th. Yeah. On January 6th. Oh, but January Ray Epps wasn't 6th. there. He didn't do nothing. <laughs> yeah. So say that again because I, I talked on you inadvertently. So say that again for the audience. Apparently, according to the, according to the Gateway Pundit, right. the, uh, there's footage of Ray Epps throwing a Trump sign at a police officer during the January 6th protest. And yet somehow he's innocent. I don't understand that. He didn't he do innocent? nothing. Right. Am I missing something here? So, yeah, for the audience to remember, I don't know if you guys knew this, but uh, it was uh, 11 months ago now. 10, 12 months. No, it was a year ago. Year, a year and one month, I guess 13 months, when I, my account was, quote unquote, permanently suspended from Twitter because I finally got Ray Epps. I was uh, trolling him. I admit I was trolling him. Guilty as charged. And I got him to respond and basically say, I didn't do nothing wrong. Well, I guess that's a false stipulation from him, according right. to this. Right, Chris? No, he, he was correct because if he didn't do nothing wrong, that's a double negative. And right. in, in fact, he's saying he did something wrong. Elizabeth, should we sick the double <laughs> negative police on Ray for bad grammar? Yes. Bad grammar drives me crazy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Double negatives and people who don't understand prepositional phrases. Uh, anyway. I Rubber digress. baby buggy bumpers. Rubber yeah, baby yeah. buggy It's the pet peeve department of Tony's bumpers. take. Yes. But, uh, <laughs> anyway, so so... You know, Ray should be in jail uh, awaiting uh, permanent uh, banishment to some federal prison in probably Colorado based on the fact he did actually engage in what I would consider uh, crimes against the federal government because he incited a riot. And it's clearly, you know, these other guys who just showed up and kind of like, huh, I can go in. Uh, that's not a crime. That's like uh, it's bad judgment, but it's not a crime. And it's just sad that we see so much uh, made of these guys still being stuck in, in, in prison. Even even Adam brought up these guys being stuck uh, indefinitely without any you know, rights uh, that are afforded to them being provided regarding the Constitution. So Ray Epps needs to be in prison. He needs to be in jail. And I think it, it's going to be a hard haul because he is a Fed just saying. And the fact is, he you could say that he yes, was same. only following orders. And I remember that defense uh, yeah. being held somewhere in the 1940s. They have ways to make you talk. <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah. Yes. <laughs> but this, this is a problem. The government itself spent a whole, the the, the left in the government spent a whole. Uh, the left is the government, Chris. Near, near they're, a whole they're, year. But they're, they're, they're near, are not, they are no, no longer distinguishable. Well, they spent near a whole year making a spectacle yeah. out of all this, trying to throw these, uh, these people who were, at what was in effect a, a sign holding session that would, that went awry um, into standards that they would never hold people who were burning down minority neighborhoods of a couple of years ago. Right. Uh, and right. 
they're trying to make a big deal out of this when in fact it was their own guy who, by the way, is not allowed to be mentioned during these uh, during those hearings. Oh, Ray Epps, who uh, started oh, a, lot of this, a lot of these uh, problems about uh, Chickamauga. So I guess we can, I guess can we talk about him too or not? It's like it's, it's so many things we're not supposed to talk about anymore. I, I don't believe here you can. It was it Louis? Uh, was it the charming Eric, the charming fellow? Chickamella, Charcamella. <laughs> it's uh, Mark Zaid's best friend, the guy that you know he, that Zaid wrote the testimony for. So that's, yeah. that's what we're talking. About. I, I, he I, that, again. This is a problem. There's a difference between a whistleblower and an accuser. I, I, let's get your take on that. Mm. A whistleblower is somebody who actually firsthand saw something and is bringing this information to light. An accuser is somebody like the charming fella who heard who, and Vinman, by the way, will go get those are accusers. Oh, yeah. They're not whistleblowers. Well, they heard something secondhand and they figure, hey, let's tattle on them, but we don't have mm -hmm. real evidence about it. So that's something we should get into a whole another. Yeah. We should bring on another whistleblower. I think we have a, a guy that uh, we have in mind, which I don't want to announce till we get him booked. But yeah, there's a legitimate whistleblower who was in the same shoes as me. And what what Vinman did and what uh, Chickamauga did and all these other clowns, that they basically were spectators, informed spectators who had a, an opinion that President Trump was doing something they didn't like. And it had nothing to do with whistleblowing. There was no, there's no wrongdoing they were reporting. And what's ironic, uh, Elizabeth and Chris, you may remember, right before uh, Vindman filed his, his whistleblowing complaint, they changed the rules for a filing saying, you, you know, and, and before oh, yeah. he did it, there were, the rule said you have to have, to your point, Chris, direct knowledge. You had to right. be like the person who had the, the witnesses personally. They changed that right. rule literally the month before they got this yeah. guy to, to, to I like, do remember that. Do they yeah. changed the rules just so they can have that guy, have Vinman say what he could say and nobody exactly. could complain about it. Yeah. So when I talk about unbelievable yeah when i talk about able danger i talk about it from firsthand direct knowledge i don't i as a matter of fact i've made a point of never including elements of other people's recollections or stories in my recollection to maintain it as pure as possible because obviously in, in the best of circumstances memory uh, fades with age and i'm doing my best to not you know stay in shape mm -hmm. and not let it fade with that said i don't want to contaminate my knowledge by adding other people's views into it and that's that's uh, I think you're obligated as a whistleblower to do that. But mm -hmm. uh, Chickamauga, uh, Vindman, Vindman, uh, as a matter of fact, I, I you know I have I, I think if there's ever been a uh, human bratwurst, that that's Vindman. <laughs> I mean, think, I mean he is. I mean if it, if you take a bratwurst, go to the store next time you're in the store. Uh, we all go to the store. Look in look in the the bratwurst section. It's like hmm, that looks like Vindman, except he doesn't have glasses. You know, it's the same difference. Oh. He does. Okay. It's the same. It's the same color too. Kind of that pasty uh, white. Isn't it I'll nice? do that. Yeah. Next yeah. time I go to food, right. make a note. Yeah. Make a note and, and, and I, I will note out. the media was also irresponsible and not referring to them as accusers and referring to yeah. them as whistleblowers because that implies that these people had firsthand knowledge with it, which they of which they did not have. There yeah, you go. Exactly. See, that was proper sentence structure, Elizabeth. That's right. This was no <laughs> to kill a mockingbird kind of trial. But by the way, and I, I I've met Gregory Peck or Gregory Peck. In high school, by the way, after well, these oh, how cool. oh, that's cool. Yeah, we could talk about that another day with some other folks. I've had great, great luck with celebrities. Obviously, we saw today with Adam. Adam being a great celebrity who. Oh, actually, he's a great guy. He is a great fellow. guy. He's yes. and I always and I was. I'm not joking. He's really you know a good guy in real life too. Uh, I, you know, you meet some of these folks. I, I have a feeling I don't know this because I haven't met him, but Al, Alec Baldwin doesn't seem to strike me as a really nice guy. Am he's I am so I wrong so, on that? Feeling that way? I don't know. He's I, so I, arrogant. I don't have firsthand knowledge. Yeah, so I don't either. User if this is the is case, it wrong but... for me to say that about someone I don't know? I know Adam, the good Baldwin. You know, you said he Alex... seems like it. 
And that, that's cool. fair. That's fair yeah. because he does have a little bit of arrogance about him, especially right. when you hear what he talked about after the after the shooting. He probably fire, he, he probably smells like fire and brimstone too, if you think about it. You know, he's got that kind of that <laughs> Satan smell, kind of follows oh him. <laughs> well, on that, not note. that I don't know that. I don't know that. I'm not stating as as an objective fact. I'm saying maybe it could be. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> We don't know these things, but we're trying to find out. And that's why we're here for the hard truth, right? We're trying to find out. We're trying to find out what the heck the hard truth is. And we don't always know, but we're going to, we're going to get to it for you. Right. Right. Chris, right. Elizabeth. We, yes. we will get to it. We will, right. we will dig into the hard truth. This isn't the easy truth and it's not the small, it's the hard the truth. Big easy either. That's right. So I'll, I'll do the final notes here again. This has been the hard truth. Tony Schaefer and uh, my friends, Chris and Elizabeth. We've had a great time today. We were joined by Adam Baldwin, who is a, an all around good guy and uh, American Patriot. Uh, we are powered by Sig Sauer, never settle. And I always have a Sig within arm's length, uh, and that's true. And I carried the Sig in combat, which I always had the choice of what I carried. I carried a Sig. And uh, we're on the America Out Loud talk radio network, also available on the America Out Loud podcast network. Check us out. Uh, our project, Project Sentinel, London Center for Policy Research. We're on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Rumble, and our website, projectsentinel.net and londoncenter.org. So thank you all for being with us again this week. We look forward to being back next week with some more Hard Truths. See you then. I woke up in a derelict delirium To a stranger's kiss and a broken opinion With all my friends in a row